On January 22nd, 1973, our nation changed and it seemed as though death had won. The pounding of the gavel would echo through the halls of eternity as 63,459,781 lives were lost. For 50 years, those who dreamed carried the hope that life would prevail again. A multitude of voices cried out for the unborn and the mothers who bore them. These dreamers made headlines and stood in courtrooms declaring truth to those who were deaf and blind, believing one day to change minds. Refusing to back down, the movement for life continued to grow. And 35 years later, in an auditorium in Southland, Texas, the heart of a dreamer was awakened. Some of you, you know, as you've worshipped, there's something gone off on the inside of you and you know you weren't created for something ordinary. Maybe you're too scared to dream the God dream, so girls weren't encouraged to dream that dream. But you know there's something on the inside of you. And you know, God, I'm put on the planet for something extraordinary. It's a God thing. A unique anointing was released. A passion was ignited and hope was stirred. Passivity was not an option, but God was preparing his daughter to be a lighthouse and gateway who would beckon to the lost and the broken. 
she was not unfamiliar with the shame and stigma of an unplanned pregnancy. She knew there was countless women like her who felt unwanted and rejected, with nowhere to go. And the dreamer began to wonder, would the church open its doors and be a safe place for every woman experiencing an unplanned pregnancy? The dream was God-sized. The need was exponential, and more dreamers were mobilized. The obstacles were many, but they did not waver. They embraced women bearing the unexpected. They called out to the broken, frightened, and those in need of loving kindness. They clothed them in beauty and crowned them in acceptance. Death shouted, the love roared. Over the next 10 years, the dream broke boundaries and set a new precedent, redefining the accepted solution. Across the nation and the world, the church responded and more than 8,280 lives were saved through the dedication and perseverance of the dreamers from Embrace Faith. On June 24, 2022, our nation changed once again and Roe vs. Wade was overturned. This is not the end. It is just the beginning. Now more than ever, the world needs the church, not a building, you and me. There are young men and women who need radical love and kindness. There are still lives that need to be saved and hearts that need to be transformed. After 50 years, we are living in a post-world world, and abortion in many states is no longer an option. It is time for a pro-love movement. It is time to dream again. We are dreaming of a time when moms are reminded that their past is not their future and fathers stand up for their children. We are dreaming of a nation where children grow up in godly families. We are dreaming of a place where those that have abortions are healed and set free. We are dreaming that every church is a light drawing people who are impacted by unplanned pregnancy. We dream that every mother and every father surrenders their lives to Jesus, the Savior, the Rescuer, the Dream Giver. Will you dream with us for the future? Will you dream with us for a whole of movement? That was more difficult than I expected. <laughs> um, we are in a new age, and it is a pro-love movement. And at Cross Timber Baptist Church, we're going to join that movement. And here's what it looks like. It looks like on Thursday, July 13th, not this week, but next week, for our Ladies Connect, we're going to gather, and we're going to put together 20 boxes to give to the middle schools and the high school nurses so that whenever a girl comes in and goes, I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, they're going to receive a pro-love box. And um, this is from the ministry called Embrace Grace. Um, and a little bit about that ministry, you saw the lady, she, she founded it. She was an, had an unexpected marriage, an unexpected pregnancy, and she had to raise her daughter by herself. And she started this ministry, and it's an opportunity to reach out to, to women who are desperate and they're in need. And so um, Thursday, I was at um, Next Step Women's Ministry, Women's Center. This is not in competition with that. It's in support of that. Um, Next Step, we support Next Step in our, in our monthly. We give like an offering to them. 
and we support them. But their need has grown exponentially because the laws have changed. And we might need to reconsider kind of what we're doing with them. Um, And I don't think it's just financial. I think it can be, but I think it's also how we support them. So with, with Embrace Grace, Embrace Grace becomes something that helps to support them. So um, I was talking with them this week, and they said, Deborah, we don't have a church in Burleson or in Joshua that has Embrace Grace, and we desperately need it. So here's what it looks like. A woman comes into the center, and she needs a sonogram. Maybe she's considering abortion, and a lot of them are, and it's very discouraging to them because they've already got the waiver. They've already got everything, the, the plans to, to travel out of state to have the abortion, and they're coming in, and sometimes they change their mind, and sometimes they don't. But they come in, and so... They give them, they give gifts and things like that. But this, Embrace Grace, um, they get a card in there that has a QR code on it. And that QR code connects them to a church. And that's the missing piece. When I was talking to Summer this week, she said, Deborah, we don't have churches to send these girls to. So Embrace Grace does the training. And they need two women in a church to say we're willing to start Embrace Grace in the church. Two women that will be the support. And so they go through training. There's a 12-week discipleship thing that they, the girls can come in and they can, can be discipled and they can be trained. And Summer said, Deborah, we just, we're desperate. She says, we're doing everything here. She said, we need churches. There are 24 churches in our um, association that support mixed sex. I don't think that's really enough. The numbers that they're seeing, 8,000 people coming in, you know, and they they need help. And it's not just women. It's men coming in. I was so excited. We were putting together swag bags. Some more volunteers on Monday in the afternoons, and uh, we put together bags to give away to people. And they have a man's bag, and the, the men come in, whether they're married or not married. And it had like a shaving kit in it with like a razor and all the guards and all this other really they have really nice gifts they give them. And what that does is it makes the man realize you're really important to your part. But they don't have any men coming down to the center and volunteering. Because you think, oh, mixed up women for this. They're gonna have to change men because they're like, We've got tons of men coming in. And we need men whenever they're going through some of their pregnancy classes, they need a place that men can have a man that steps up and helps to disciple them. So they need men volunteers. That may seem strange to you. You may think, oh, I'll never do that. You'd be surprised. I mean, they, they provide training. and they, So there's opportunities that we can serve. But when they click on that QR code, it shows them the churches in their area that have an Embrace Grace ministry that they can connect to. This is huge. On the back of this, it shows a single woman has had an unplanned pregnancy. She goes to the pregnancy center for help. She receives free gifts, love boxes. The, the, the boxes we make that don't go to schools will go to the next step. And um, <clears throat> then she attends a church that has an Embrace Grace pro-love church. And the mom's now part of a church family and can be discipled through groups like Embrace Grace. The baby's born and a generation is changed. She receives salvation and the heart is healed and the church throws her a baby shower. This is huge. You know, this is a big deal. And it, it, we, we, need to be, we need to open up our doors and we need to welcome people to come to Jesus. You know, the days of the church condemning women... We've got to stop. You know, we can't point our finger. Jesus didn't point his finger to women. He extended mercy and grace, and that's what the church is supposed to do. Not just for unplanned pregnancies, but also for abortion. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if a woman's had an abortion, that video is not to condemn. 
There is mercy and grace found in Jesus and forgiveness in Jesus' name. The other thing, so in the boxes, check this out. It's my favorite thing ever. It says, best gift ever. And it helps the mom to see that her baby is not a burden, but but a gift from the Lord. The other thing that is here is called a bump in life. And this is stories from women who've had unplanned pregnancies and their journeys. And it's all different kinds of people. All different. Every walk of life. This can happen to anybody. Preachers, kids, anybody. And so it's just various stories. And so some of those, we'll see a video when we meet on thir- Thursday the 13th. to go. Th- we'll, we'll hear some of the stories that some of the women that just, you know, they picked this book and they read it cover to cover. And it changed everything forever for them. So this will be a gift that they'll get. And they're short stories, so they can, you know, read through it. So anyway, um, come to Ladies Connect on the 13th and be a part of this. And if you feel like God is calling you to minister to women like this and you really have a heart in that direction, come see me. Um, I would love for us to have a place for women. That would be two lights turned on maybe. You know what I'm saying? we got a light turned on for a Sunday school class for that group down the hall and maybe a light turned on for another children's class. What if we grew the church like that? What a beautiful way to see lives transformed. Thank you, Deborah, and good morning. Um, I've really been surprised. I've had a beard almost a year and nobody's given me a razor yet. So um, I'm guessing either y'all have given up trying to convince me to shave or um, y'all are okay with it. Because I was thinking about one of those swag bags for the men has a razor. And so I think strangely sometimes. But I'm glad you're here. It's 73 degrees outside. We've had rain. It's the 2nd of July and we get to be in the house of the Lord. And so I am so excited about that. I'm excited about what God is willing to do um, when we give him our, our yes and embrace grace is just another opportunity to say yes to God and see what he is up to in our world. Um, he is in the process of, of rebuilding lives, rebuilding families, and we have the opportunity to join him. Um, he's going to continue to do his work whether we join him or not, but wouldn't it be more wonderful and more of a blessing to be a part of what God's doing instead of just reading about it? or hearing stories about it, but to be in the big middle of it and to experience it for ourselves. With that, I welcome you. Um, just have a few, couple of things to announce. Um, you can see some things in your bulletin that might be of interest. First, let me just tell you that during the month of July, we're going to pause meeting at 11 o'clock for the Bible study and for evening prayer. So there'll be no Wednesday activities during the month of July. We'll resume that first week of August. So um, we continue. Um, you can Certainly pray at home, um, but we'll take a break, and then we'll be back there in August. The second thing you may see there is on the 16th, um, which is a couple of weeks from today, we'll be having our our lunch and quarterly meeting. We'll have a fellowship meal followed by a quarterly meeting, so make plans for that. I know you'll be looking forward to it. And the last thing, I don't know if you've seen anything on the news stations or maybe on the Internet. I just want to give you an opportunity. There's a a movie coming out. Um, It actually has already started, but... um, the movie is called Sound of Freedom. It tells the story of one man who was unwilling to, um, to let um, children that are involved in human trafficking go unnoticed. And um, he launched his own um, endeavor with the help of others to go and rescue 
um, as many as possible. Um, it stars Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Um, I'll, I'll warn you ahead of time, I haven't seen it, but it is. Um, it's hard subject matter, but here's the truth. It's real, and it's in the world. And whatever you see in that movie, it's probably one one-hundredth of the horror that, um, that women, children, and other people are facing in the world because of the evil of, of sex trafficking. And so if you have opportunity, the goal is to have one million people see the movie on July the 4th. There's already theaters um, selling out. The theater right down the road from us added two additional showings um, to facilitate the interest so far. Um, you can buy tickets. I think they're, they're five bucks. Um, it's not that expensive. But I do um, encourage you to see that. If you're a parent of a teenager, go with your teenager. Make that a point of discussion. Um, but most of all, um, make it a point of prayer because just having the information is useless unless we, we take it to the Lord in prayer, unless we step up and are active in our involvement, whether it's embrace grace or whether it's um, helping those that are in the bondage of, of trafficking. See the other dates and times in the bulletin. Um, I'd like us to read this morning from Hebrews chapter four. It's um it's the text we'll be looking at this morning. We'll read the um, first thirteen verses together, and then after we read that, our um our deacons will come and receive our offering. Hebrews chapter four, starting there in verse number one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, and he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the eleventh day, of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Gentlemen, will you come? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
allow us to meet again today and that we still in this country have the opportunity to take advantage of these times to come and worship you in spirit and truth, encourage one another and, and be instructed in your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is active and sharper than a double-edged sword, pierced even to the inmost parts of our heart and spirit. We pray that even today it would it would uh, accomplish whatever you have for us to have for each one of us to hear today. Uh, just rusty breaks the bread of life to us and and uh, expounds upon it. Bless Rusty and his family, Lord. And we pray your blessings upon our church as we participate in all your uh, uh, offerings that you require and uh, and, and our tithes and offerings that you allow us to have to offer in your name and for your name's sake. We pray that it would be blessed to reach the uttermost parts of the world and Jesus be lifted up that all may believe in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is a short, really short song. It's a cry out to the Lord for help. And so I'm going to sing it through once. And then I want you guys to join me in the second part of it, all right? If the words resonate with you and you want to cry out to the Lord for help.
you stand and sing with us this morning? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire. Standing next to me was another in the waters, holding back the sea. Should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears a burden where another died for me. There was another in the fire. All my death but dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. 
Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I will bow to the things of this world. I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminding, the power set me free. There is a grave that holds nobody. Power lives in me. There is another in the fight. Oh, there is another in the fight. Oh, I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens. As the space between waves thin, I can feel the ground shake beneath us. As the prison wall stays in, nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it Come with me in the space between all the things unseen and his reckoning. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire. Standing next to me, there'll be another in the waters, holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminding, could you bend to me? I'll count the joy from every battle, I know that's where you'll be. I'll count the joy from every battle. I know that's where you'll be. I count the joy from every bad. I know that's where you'll be.
Trust in you. 
Hebrews chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning as we look at God's Word together. We've read the, the Word there previously, so we won't take time to, to do that again. But today I want to talk about the time for rest. As we continue on in our, our series looking at the book of Hebrews, finding that in all things Jesus is better. The last couple of weeks, probably for most of you and for us as well, have been hot and busy, and at the end of the day, you're just so excited to be able to sit down, cool off, and rest. Doesn't that word feel good to say rest? Just say it, just say rest. It's like sweet music, isn't it? It's just like in perfect harmony and pitch, rest. You know, and as exciting as it is to say it, how much better is it to actually experience it? As good as it is to hear that somebody had a great night's sleep, how much better is it to experience that rest for yourself? When we experience physical rest, we recharge the body's battery, if you want to say it that way. We restore our 
energy. And if you don't get that rest, eventually it's going to catch up to you and you're going to run out of gas. And you have physical fatigue, mental and emotional fatigue, and you quickly find yourself weary, exhausted, frustrated. And if we ignore rest, and there's always time for rest, we suffer consequences. But if we enter into it, we receive the, the benefit. And I want to talk about this morning something that's better than relaxing in a pool, taking a nap, sitting in your favorite chair, or even getting a good night's sleep. See, there's a rest that the Bible says still remains or is active and available for God's people. And we're going to see this morning how we enter into that rest. We enter into that rest through faith in Christ. We're going to see that it's a spiritual experience that benefits our physical, emotional, and mental well-being. That it's God's rest that He lovingly gives as a gift of His grace. And it's possible to miss out on it, but you don't necessarily have to. And that we find it each and every time that we come to the person of Jesus. He spoke these words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this morning, I'd like us just to consider this thought that God intends for His people to enjoy the continuing blessing of His rest. And this morning, as we study this word together, like a good journalist, hard to find one these days, I'm not even sure they still exist, and kind of makes me think about missing the newspaper. I used to enjoy reading the newspaper, and you don't even really get that anymore. Oh, sorry, I get I diverted off the, the topic. But like a good journalists, we're going to look at the who, what, when, where, and why of rest. Before we do so, we're just going to pause and pray and ask for God's help as we walk through this and that He would give us understanding by His Spirit. Lord, we thank You for the treasure of Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Spirit. And we thank You for Your willingness to teach us and to transform us by Your Word that, as we read earlier, is living and active. And so, Lord, we ask You to take um, us as the listeners, help us to hear with our ears, to obey with our hearts, and to follow you with what we all we have for your worship. Teach us about this rest, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in these 11 verses, what we have is the basic, the basic idea of the flow of the passage is that God still provides rest. We looked at it last week, that there was a generation that wandered, you know, that came from Egypt into through the wilderness and to the very border of the promised land, but they failed to enter that rest. They missed out on what God had for them, the promised land. But even though they missed out on it, the rest is still there. It's still available in what the Bible calls today, in the present. But if we're going to experience that rest, then there's necessary steps that we have to make sure we take care of so that we don't fall short of that rest. So let's jump into these five questions of a good 
journalist. And the first one is, what is the rest that the author is talking about? If we opened up Webster's Dictionary, it would tell you that rest is to cease from action or motion, to refrain from labor or exertion. That sounds pretty good right there, right? To be free from anxiety or disturbances or to sit or lie down or to be confident in something, like to rest in peace. But when you go to the pages of the Bible, you find out that resting in God is so much more than that. It is a confident trust and a continuing dependence on the very living God that offers unequaled comfort, indescribable satisfaction. It's a spiritual rest that gives rest to your mind, your body, and your emotions. So when we rest in God, we find rest for our entire person, who we are. And so that's a a working definition that we have in the Bible. But some other important aspects of rest that we need to understand in the Bible is, first of all, it's, it's supernatural. It's divine rest. It comes from God. He's the source, and He chooses to give it as a gift. But it's also eternal. See, God enjoys complete and total rest. And His rest is never-ending. There's not an expiration date. And it is always secure and safe because God is always faithful. But it's not only supernatural and eternal, it's also available. The rest remains today for you and for me, and we can have rest today, tomorrow, right now. And I want you to just say that to yourself. I can have rest today. Say that. I can have rest today. Yeah, the offer is still in place, but it's only experienced by those who have faith. And that faith is specifically in the person of Jesus, the one who the Old Testament pointed to as the Messiah. And as we continue to depend on Him day after day, we enjoy that unequaled comfort and indescribable satisfaction that comes with rest. So I want you to pretend with me. Some of y'all are pretty comfortable right now because these chairs are, are nice. But imagine that you are in your favorite, most comfortable spot, whether that's the chair, a hammock, or maybe even a bed. It just makes you want to go, Right? What does it take to enjoy that spot? Well, first of all, you've got to find it, which shouldn't be very hard. Then you have to sit down or lie down, depending on what you choose to do. And then, you know, you always trust that each time you sit down or lie down that it's going to hold you up. So you trust in it. You rely on it. And then you begin to enjoy the comfort. And then you experience the satisfaction of that rest. And I want us to see, just as clear as a chair we can sit in or a bed we can lie in, that that rest from God is available today. It's not some kind of abstract experience that we search out and hope to find. No, it's it's a reality. It's a spiritual reality. And it's not found in a something. It's found in a someone. Which leads us to that second question, whose rest is it? Very simply stated, it's God's rest. It's not our own. It's not from an object. It's not from an experience. But it's from the very person of God. 
in these verses, it refers to that as God's rest, my rest, the, the Sabbath rest. And he chooses to give that rest. He offers his rest. And he goes beyond offering. He warns us, hey, listen, this offer is available. Don't miss out on it. Now, we see many different, you know, offers, whether it's on the television, on the radio, or at stores, and they say, you know, don't miss out. It's, you know, offered for only a, a limited amount of time, or, you know, you may have your favorite store that's been perpetually going out of business for the last, you know, couple of years. Um, so, um, you know, those places like that, and they tell you don't miss out. Well, this is a warning from God to don't miss out on it, because while it is still in place, there will come a day where it won't be offered anymore. And he calls for us to do whatever is necessary to enter into that rest. And while God makes this rest available to everyone, it's only experienced by a specific group. Verse 3, it says, it's we who have believed. It's for the believer, the, the person that places their faith and trust in Jesus, His Son, the Messiah, that is called by His name, His people. It's only to those that, it's only to those people that the gift of rest is given. And that message of rest available in the text here, He calls it the good news to the those that were in the wilderness, it was the good news that there was a land called Canaan that was the promised land. And to God's, and the place where, as one author wrote, that the people would live as God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. The only requirement, trust in God, obey what God says. If you listen and obey, you'll enjoy the rest of the land. For people today, for you and I, it's not a, a land called Canaan, but it's Christ and His kingdom. It's God's people living in His kingdom under the blessing of His rule. And the same requirement stands, trust and obey. And so it's God's rest, and because God is gracious, He extends it to His people. And the passage also shows us the, the time frame of God's rest, as well as the location. So when and where it happens. I can remember being, whether it was Latham Springs or Riverbend for camp, especially RA camp, and it was like the hottest place on earth. And they've got a very loving, kind man sitting under a cedar tree at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, baking biscuits in a Dutch oven while these little boys that are scorching in the heat are just red-faced and thinking, I just want to go inside. Can I, and this is back before, you know, kids stayed inside all the time. And you wonder, you know, when are we getting a break time? When can we go back into the cabin? When can we get some air conditioning? And when we get there, how long is it going to last? And these verses help us see the place where we can rest and how long it lasts. And it's way better than air conditioning on a hot day. So the third question is, when and where is this rest? Well, where is pretty easy. It's available now on earth and available in the future in heaven. 
So right now, right now, while you're standing or sitting in this world, we can have the confidence, we can place our trust and our dependence in Jesus, and we can enjoy, to some extent, His provision and His comfort that are not matched by anything else, and we can find satisfaction and joy in loving and serving Him. We can enjoy real, real spiritual rest that will help our mind be at ease when we sleep, help our, our body endure the, the hardships of life, the trials of, of disease and the onset of age, and help our emotions remain in check when we feel like we're just ready to just you know, blow it. But even that rest, as good as it can be, is only a small taste of what we have waiting for us in the future, where we will be in that perfect forever promised land, the place of heaven, resting forever with our Savior, and we'll be free from sin, free from evil, free from pain, free from suffering. All the junk of this world will leave behind, and we will enjoy final and forever rest. Where we're in the presence of Jesus in God's intended dwelling place, along with all those saints, dearly loved ones that have gone before us. So that's the where. What about the when? Well, God's rest is eternal, but it's still available. And at the same time, even though it's available, it can be rejected even though it's offered. Many authors have used these three words to describe the different types of rest that these 11 verses mention. One is Phillips, who wrote a commentary, there's many others, but they describe the rest here as creation rest, Canaan rest, and Calvary rest. And this passage alludes to the fact that when God finished creating the world, Genesis chapter 2, He rested. God rests in creation. It raises a couple of questions, at least it did in my mind. If God never gets tired, why does He rest? And if God rested... Does that mean that he's not doing anything right now? Well, I have answered for both of those questions. When God rested after his creation, his work didn't stop. He simply finished and completed that work of creation, and he declared it was good. And while he rested from the work of creation, he still continues in his work of sustaining and redeeming his creation. He's the living God, and He's still very active in the world. And this rest, this rest that He had on the seventh day of creation, is called the Sabbath rest. A seventh day rest, and it still exists today. We don't have time to, to get into it today. And so, so next week, hopefully, um, we'll look at some more practical aspects of this. The main idea of this text is not specifically pointing toward the fact, hey, you are a human being and you need to slow down and take a rest, but you can certainly see hints of that. But next week we will take time to look at the idea that God intends for us to take time to rest from our schedules. Physical rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest that is important. But for now we can say that it's God's rest, it's His Sabbath rest, and He offers it to his people. So we have creation rest. Then we have Canaan rest, which was the rest 
that God's people would enjoy in the promised land. Remember, they're told to enter into the land, to do what? Take possession of the land, to drive out all the enemies, and they would enjoy rest. But they only went part of the way, right? They only defeated some of the enemies. Some of the enemies still remain, and so they were continually badgered and troubled throughout the years. And that rest was first offered to that generation under Moses, but they failed to enter because of their unbelief, their disobedience. But that failure didn't negate the promise. God didn't say, okay, you blew it, it's over. No, that next generation, 40 years later, entered this land under Joshua. It's another interesting thing to think about as you think about the idea of Jesus being better, is that here you have Joshua, and his Hebrew name would be Yeshua, and when Jesus comes, he is Yeshua. Joshua in the Old Testament is a picture or a type of who Jesus is, and while he led the people into the promised land, he didn't lead them all the way to full rest, but yet when we come to the New Testament and we meet Jesus, we find the one who is the perfect deliverer, who leads us all the way into the promised land, gives us full and complete victory. And so even though God's people in that land didn't enjoy that Sabbath rest in completion, it's still available. You see it in verses 8 and verse 9. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. And then verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And it remained, in, in, you have to go back to verse 7, but it remained from their generation all the way to the time of David, who is given credit for writing Psalm 95, um, but to point to the fact that that rest was still available today. Now, what does today mean? Well, it doesn't mean, you know, it meant in David's day, that time. It means in our day, our time. It means right now, currently, the promise is still available. But it won't stand forever. Because one day in the future, there will be the final today. Nobody knows when that's going to be. Some people want it to happen sooner. Some people want it to happen later. But after that final today, it's going to be too late. But we find out that this rest is not found in a place. It was never intended for Canaan to be that place of rest. It's found in a person. And we find that salvation rest in Jesus. It's Calvary rest. Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And when he had finished his work, he declared, it is finished work was done. Sin was defeated. And then he rose from the grave to show that death also was defeated. And by placing faith in Jesus, we can enter into his rest. You get the privilege of daily walking with Jesus, his spirit in us, his peace and victory in our lives. And during this walk of life, we enjoy his rest in ongoing, victorious fellowship. That while we may struggle and we may fail, in the end we are victorious or more than conquerors because of the one who loves us. And as we walk through life, we have to look forward to one day full and complete rest, eternal rest in heaven. And so there is that rest that remains, yet we enjoy aspects of it in this world. 
Which brings us to our fourth question, how in the world do I enter his rest? First, there's a sad truth that many people miss out on God's rest. The offer still stands, but some just refuse it. And in their minds, many times they may view God's rest, missing God's rest, as something that, well, you know, there may be some regrets, but they don't see it as a serious thing. Oh, well, I didn't enjoy it, but at least I'll get into heaven. They don't listen to the warnings. How many warnings we have in God's words that we just simply dismiss or, or, or blow by quickly. But there's two words in verse number one that should help us to understand or sound the warning of the rest. Listen to verse one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, important word, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So he's encouraging the readers, you need to have the right, proper attitude about what it means to not reach God's rest. There should be fear. Now, always when we talk about fear in the Bible, there's some aspect of of being afraid. But the greater meaning of the word has to do with awe and respect for God and His word. That because of our awe and wonder about who God is and the word that he speaks, which he describes there in verses 12 and 13, that we should take great care and caution to listen and to obey. And in this instance, we should make sure that we trust in that promise that God offers because we don't want to miss out on his rest. So there's the first word, fear. The second is failed, failed to reach it. To come up short or to miss. When I think about this, I think about those, um, they don't really do it as much anymore, at least they don't show it, but all those those daredevils like Evil Knievel that were going to jump, you know, um, you know, 52 buses or jump the Grand Canyon. And all their best efforts, all their planning, all the speed in the motorcycle and you've seen some of those crash videos, sometimes he came up short. And um, as a result, over the years, I guess had broken just about everything he could break in his body. But coming up short, crashing short of the runway. And here, what are we crashing short of? It's God's rest. And we see the crash that that wilderness generation experienced right there on the border of the promised land. Go in, take possession of the land. No, they're big. They're giants. We're grasshoppers. We can't do it. And they failed to enter the rest. And a warning from the author. Don't be like them. Believe in God's word. Trust his promises. Follow through. Hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. And enter into that rest. See why fear and failure down the warning, the remedy comes in the word faith. Faith is the the key that unlocks the door to entering into his rest. Unbelief, we've seen, will keep us out of God's rest. Disobedience keeps us from God's rest. Faith is what brings us into God's rest. David Allen wrote these words, While the Exodus generation failed, Christians will succeed because of the work of Jesus in their lives. 
he reminds us in this passage that no amount of our work could ever enter into its rest. And so we have to grab a hold of the one whose work is sufficient to get us into rest, and that's Jesus. So that means for you and I to stop relying on our own best efforts. Verse 10, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then next, we choose to submit to Jesus. We depend on Him and we trust in Him. We trust that His work on the cross is sufficient and the life that He gives is what we need and we depend on Him and we choose to follow after Him. We follow Jesus. We heed His commands. We experience His rest. Present tense rest means we get help when we need it. We get forgiveness from sins when we confess. We can cast our cares on Him. He carries them along for us. We can trust Him and His strength when we feel weak, when we feel tempted. We can tell Him our needs and trust He'll provide. We can serve gladly in His name, knowing that His power and His presence will be with us. We can experience victory over real enemies in this world, and we can walk in obedience with joyful expectation of what lies ahead. See, at the same time, though, while we rest from our own efforts, he says there, verse 11, we must strive to enter that rest. And it seems contradictory at first. You think, well, hang on, I thought he just said we're not supposed to do any work. And here he says we need to strive or work even harder. Other translations say you should make every effort or do your best. The focus here is on the, the, the idea of concentration, of an eagerness and an urgency, that it should be your great desire to enter into that rest. Always understanding it's God who does the work, but we have to actively participate. So when we say rest, it doesn't mean just sit there. It means to place your trust in Jesus, to obey in Jesus, rest in His strength and not your own. And then do whatever is necessary to experience the benefits of God's rest. I don't know about y'all, but I still love to turn on the radio and you hear that voice of Jay Vernon Davis. Man, just he's just he's just got the, the most recognizable voice, I think, probably because I listened to it so many times. But listen to what he says about this particular passage. He said, It said, it's like the Irishman that said, I have peace in my house. I'll have peace in my house even if I have to fight to get it. Rest. We can have rest, but sometimes we're going to have to fight to get it. It's available. It's offered. But whether or not we experience it or let it pass by is dependent on whether we are willing to fight the fight of faith to receive it. And as we fight the fight of faith, as we walk through this life with Jesus, one day we're going to enter God's future, final, perfect rest. There at the end of the journey, we read about it. He's going to make all things new. Us, our old body is going to get replaced by a new resurrection body. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And then to top it all off, the very best is that we'll have perfect fellowship with the Lord Almighty for all of eternity. If you enjoy... Um, beautiful language and clear spiritual truth. You may have read 
some of the writings of Andrew Murray. Um, his devotional commentary, which I laugh when they call it a devotional commentary. I know why they call it devotional, because they're, they're kind of snobby in the, um, in the theological world that different commentaries are theological commentaries, different ones are devotional commentaries. Um, I would throw it into the um, theological commentary list. But this is what he says. He says, the rest of Canaan was for victory and through victory. And so it is in this life. When a soul learns to trust God for victory over sin and yields itself entirely as to its circumstances and duties to live just where and how he wills, capitalized, that is the rest. Did you catch that? Learning to trust God for victory over sin. Yielding entirely to circumstances and duties as God intends and to live, I like that, just where and how he wills. What's he saying? If we want to enjoy the rest of God, we need to live where God lives in his presence and how he lives in obedience, trusting, and faith. Which brings us back to the beginning. God intends for his people to enjoy the continuing blessing of his rest. So a little more pretending and we'll be done. Imagine someone offers you a two-week, all-expense-paid, no-strings-attached vacation to anywhere in the world you want to go. And you do your legwork and your investigation and you do find out that it's true. There's no strings attached. It's legitimate. Then, you just let time pass. You ignore the offer and the offer expires. Imagine how you would feel. You'd be disappointed. You'd be sad. You'd find some guilt and remorse. Sum it up in just the phrase, you'd feel terrible. And you think, how in the world did I miss this? How did I let that pass by? Knowing that the reason you missed out on it was because you didn't believe it was important enough to make it a priority. You didn't take the time to fill out and send in the entry form. You were too busy with other things, and then that dream vacation just slipped on by. Much in the same way God offers His rest today. Better than any vacation or retreat, the expense has been paid in full on the cross. And by placing our trust in Jesus and continuing to depend on Him each day, we can experience unequaled comfort, indescribable satisfaction, and true rest. It's an offer that sounds too good to be true, but, excuse my phraseology, it's truer than you believe and better than you could ever imagine. So I want to give you two things to consider, and then we're, we're going to pray and we're, we're done. The first thing is to proceed with caution in life. Verse 1 and verse 11 remind us of that. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should fail, seem to have failed to reach it. And then verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. 
you want to enter that rest, you need to proceed with caution. You need to check yourself and your motives and make sure that you are walking in Christ, trusting in the Savior to enjoy that rest. And then the second reminder is just this. It's not too late. It's still today. And that today means that while you are here right now, you can enter into that rest. There is a time for rest, and the time is now. And we trust in God's promises. We put our faith in His Son, and we receive the rest that He has today. I would imagine since Fanny Crosby wrote so many hymns, she probably wrote a hymn that would apply just about to anything you would ever um, speak about. But this hymn, which I had not ever read before, but found by virtue of a Google search, um, was written in 1877. And I want you to listen to the words. It's called Trust in the Promise. Brother, is your face toward the Canaan of rest? Trust in the promise of the Savior. Sister, are you bound for the home of the blessed? Trust in the promise of the Lord. Brother, is your faith looking upward today? Trust in the promise of the Savior. Sister, is the light shining bright on your way? Trust in the promise of the Lord. Brother, persevere and be firm to the last. Trust in the promise of the Savior. Sister, you shall rest when your labor is past. Trust in the promise of the Lord. He will walk beside us. In His mercy, hide us. With His eye, He'll guide us. Trust in Him. Yes, we'll trust in Jesus. Yes, we'll trust in Jesus. He'll forsake us never. Trust in Rest is available when we trust in Jesus. Will you pray? Father, we thank you that you've given us opportunity this morning to, to listen to your word and to, to gain greater understanding of what this rest is, that it still remains and we have opportunity to enter into it. So God, we pray that you would take what we've heard from your word and apply it to our hearts. Teach us by your word. Help us to not miss out on what you have, this rest, that we would trust in your promise and receive your rest. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We have a moment, or we take moments, take time at the end of our, our service to reflect on the word um, of the Lord that we've looked at, and it's our time to respond. And I'd like you to consider those those two things, to heed you know, the warning and realize that we need to proceed with caution. And also see the wonder of His grace that it's not too late. You may think you've missed out or have been missing out on God's rest, but you can enjoy it today as we rest in Him. And so as you reflect on those things, you can sit quietly where you're at. You can, you can stand, you can kneel, you can come to the front. However the Lord leads you, there may be some other decision you need to make. Maybe you're trusting in, in Jesus for your Savior. Maybe it's a a new calling or a, a way God has spoken to you. Maybe it's joining and being a part of our fellowship. Or maybe you just need someone to pray for you. I encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities as you listen and God speaks. Jackie's going to play quietly and as we listen.
meant to uh, say something earlier, but I I got distracted and forgot. But um, we do want to welcome Ken and Michelle West back. Um, if you didn't notice, they are wearing um, matching um, clothes today um, that seem to be African in origin. And um, they've spent three weeks um, in Tanzania ministering. And um, I didn't ask earlier, but I know with, with Ken's um, schedule, he may or may not be here the next week. And so um, with your um, with your permission and their willingness, um, would you guys just like to, to give us a, a brief report of what what you guys experienced and maybe what God did? The microphone is open. Repeat. Whoa, that is really loud. <laughs> the 25-second report. I might have to let Ken talk because my voice is still not back. I lost it a week ago. So, um, it was amazing. We're totally unprepared to share this morning. Sorry. That, that's okay. I just thought while it was fresh, and then we can schedule a time later for y'all to share more. But um, it was how do I explain this? It was like climbing mountains, and well, you know, remember that song I sang before we right, the Sunday before, and it was the words to it were when the map when the valley is deep. And when the mountains are steep, and I forget the rest of the words right now, but that was the truth of this trip. And my theme for this was twin day, twin day, which means let's go, let's go, because that's all we do. Let's go, let's go. But we, it was almost as if the Lord shoving you off a cliff, because I don't know how many of y'all are real comfortable with with um, sharing the gospel every day, and I'm not multiple times a day in people's homes and whatever. And you know, I can't say that we've really, I mean, we've done that in the past, but but not at this level. And, and we did it a lot. And it was incredible. And it just, it's incredible. And by the way, we were in your little man's church. I didn't realize it till later, but <laughs> that you would have a heart for so. Well, like Michelle said, it was just uh, sharing the gospel in one way or another, whether it was creation to Christ or um, just taking off from what you could get from them that they said they had already set the sword and heard good news before. Um, but, uh, but God was good in all that. There were so many salvations and baptisms. Um, it was truly amazing. Um, challenging, you know, because, you know, around here, like Michelle said, sometimes you don't get in the groove of just sharing the gospel every day or once a week or whatever. Well, on this trip, you were doing it four or five, six times in a day, <laughs> you know, so, um, um, so yeah, we definitely learned a lot, and it will definitely 
put it on your mind more. I wonder if that person knows me. Much more so than than you might otherwise think during the week, going through your day. Um, so, you know that part is definitely there. Um, and of course, it was great seeing uh, the pastors and the leaders that we had developed relationships with over the years, and just be just to have confirmation that the Lord is using this time and these efforts um, because when you hear a guy talk about something that you did 12 years ago and a word that you brought, a teaching that you brought, it doesn't matter. So thank you, church, for seeing that. Amen. Thank you for going. Have gone without your help. Well, the worship team's going to come up, and maybe they're going to come up. Somebody, Curtis is going to come up. Here comes, and they're going to lead us in the song as we close. I want to thank y'all for for being here this morning. Just hope that you enjoy a, a good holiday as you celebrate um, the freedom we have in this country. But most importantly, I hope it points you toward the freedom um, that is available in Christ. Always remembering those that are still um, in in bondage, in the bondage of sin, in the bondage of shame and of guilt, and those um, that are held against their their will in different forms of trafficking in the world. And so, um, would you join in standing? Um, we're going to sing, and after we sing, um, you're dismissed. Even though I walk through the valley of death. You restore my soul and you give me rest. For the memories of your faithfulness. You restore my soul and you give me rest. You restore my soul and you give me rest.